We watch a movie, maybe read a book, or look at some kind of art. And we talk about it together and say lots of interesting things, and one of those things is our favorite parts. This is Favorite Parts with Allison and Trey. Hi, Trey. Hey, Allison. Welcome back, everyone, to our fourth episode of Favorite Parts, the pod. Mm. Strong and steady. Thank you. Uh, today we're going to talk about the power of the dog, um, which I don't think there are actually any dogs in. Spoiler alert. Uh, Powerless. I'd have, <laughs> I'm going to start with a little summary, what the movie is about. Um, so this film is set in Montana in 1925. It is about two brothers, Phil and George. They're ranchers in Montana. And what happens when George gets married and his new wife and her son move in with the family? Um, And it focuses a lot on the relationship that develops between Phil and Peter, Rose's son. It is directed by Jane Campion, who uh, you may know from films like The Piano, for which she won a Best Director Award. Um, And it stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, who I personally know from Friday Night Lights. Oh, <laughs> and, <laughs> not personally, but right. I know, that's how I know him. Uh, yeah. And Cody, the whole time I was like, what is, he, what do I know him from? Anyway. What do I know my friend from? Yeah, <laughs> my friend Jesse. Uh, and Cody Smith McPhee plays Peter. Mm. Oh, I forgot. I do have to do my apology before we start. Yes. Right, we're going to talk about the film in a second. But before we start, I have yet another thing to apologize for. Another mistake. Mistakes were made in our last episode. I mentioned my theory, which hopefully one day I'll get to expound more on, that the future looks like BTS. I mistakenly right. called them, said they were a Japanese pop group when they are, in fact, a Korean pop group, K-pop. It's a thing. I apologize for the mistake. My brain just malfunctioned. Um But yes, I should get it right because in the future, we'll all look like BTS. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Whether we Mm. like it or not, it's coming. We should call your, now that's become a standard thing, we should call this uh, Karen's Corner for. uh... (laughs) I like Allison apologizes, but Karen's Corner. I'm open. We'll see what mistakes I make this episode. (laughs) Stay tuned. What a cliffhanger. Um, okay, Trey, did you like this movie? Yeah. Uh, not really. Um, wow. it, like I was saying to people, I, I feel like uh, this You're is like, like one for four so far. Is that right? Really? I think so. Although I think um, I'm also like one for four, but that's because I like this movie. Oh, right. What You like Nightmare Alley, yeah? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. No, this was... This was good for acting, bad for story. That's how I feel about it. Like Ooh. it was a lot of like scene chewing for actors who want to like get good meaty lines and roles and stuff. But the story mm-hmm. just like like dragged on. And I'm sure the pace was supposed to mirror like the like slow intentional pace of those times. But it was just like too long, too slow for me. But great acting. So you did not like it. Mm, it's not you're a movie. A hard I would, no, like, or you're a soft no. I'm a soft, <laughs> no, I'm a flaccid, no. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> didn't have to take it that way. Um, I don't. You regret seeing it, or were you like, "This is terrible and a waste of my time"? Or are you just you know, um, this is not for me. I don't regret seeing it, but for like different reasons. One, like I like Cumberbatch a lot, and I've most. What did you think of him? In the him I liked it. Like I, I liked this kind of like smoldering, like grumpy i mean it mm. felt he felt we were talking about uh we were talking about steinbeck before we got on like he feels like a very steinbeckian character to mm. me someone who's like under the boot and heel of the rest of society but has tremendous amount of or is value pretending to be. or pretending to be right he is in right, no way under point. the boot and heel of society no. <laughs> but feels meal. <laughs> wow you really yeah we should also <laughs> we should also tell people that like you are operating operating from fresher recall than I am because I watched yeah. this movie like many moons ago at this point now. But, oh, wow. Uh, I watched this about a week ago. ago. A week ago. I, and I watched this like a month, month and a half ago, I think. Okay. Pro- probably before we even were doing a podcast. <laughs> when it was only a twinkle I, in our if eye. If you can recall that time. <laughs> yeah. um, Did okay. you like the movie? I liked this movie. Um, I'm very proud to like a movie. It's the first time I've been able to confidently say that I've liked a movie that we have watched together and talked about, um, even though we didn't watch it together, but we'll talk about it together. Uh, yeah. yeah, great. I mean, I think I also thought the characters, I, I liked the movie because it's four, it's basically four characters. There are mm-hmm. other people kind of in the background and moving, you know, that they interact with but it's pretty much four people and you're like trying to understand the dynamics between them. Um, So unlike a movie like Dune where I was taking copious notes to keep track of who was who and who, you know, what everything meant. This one was easy. I didn't actually take any notes (laughs) while I watched it, but I still was thinking a lot about it after it finished. And I thought it was actually very masterful storytelling. In my opinion, it was like suspenseful, and um, you thought it was going in one direction and then the ending kind of turns your understanding of what was happening, particularly between uh, Peter and Phil, like everything yep. changes about how you understand their interactions. Um, yeah. And I will say the ending, uh, I, I think I told you this, Trey, I saw the ending and was like, I think I know what happened. <laughs> And apparently it's very, people have, one of the complaints that I've read in like reading some articles about the movie is that people feel like you have to watch it twice to understand what happened. I didn't feel like I had to watch it twice, but I did Google it to (laughs) confirm. And I also asked our friend Ben, who had already seen it. I was like, is this your understanding of what happens in the end of the movie? Um, And he confirmed that what I thought happened is what happened because it is it's interesting because I know I think you said you thought it was like very obvious what had happened but a lot of people are describing Campion's storytelling style as withholding and like suggestive Mm -hmm. and making the viewer do some work um which I I did think it wasn't you know obvious you're like I think most people were, would probably be similar to me. Like, I'm pretty sure I know what happened, <laughs> but can we just talk about it real quick? So right, um, we're on the same page. So yeah, I really liked it. Um, I think uh, that I think the more I thought about it, the more I think it was um, 
really dealing with the idea of what it is to be a man and taking three very different men Hmm. who are approaching the task of being a man in three very different ways. Yeah. Um, Because the movie, the movie starts with the two brothers and they're obviously very different. Like their dress is very different. George wears a suit, like a traditional kind of what you would think of like an old timey Western suit with a, you know, the little, the round hat, not a cowboy hat. He does not look like a cowboy. He looks like a banker. Yeah. But he's like riding horses with his brother. In the beginning, they're sort of moving the herd from one place to another. And his brother is completely dressed as a cowboy um, with the, you know, cowboy boots, spurs, cowboy hat, chaps. And the one of the first interactions is the two brothers talking to each other. And George asks Phil, like, when's, have you ever taken a bath here? Hmm, and, yeah. and Phil's like, no, I haven't. And it's like very established that Phil is like, doesn't bathe very often. Yeah. Um, and does things like doesn't wear gloves. Uh, he is like very much, you get the feeling that he's like, I, I guess a man's man is the, the phrase that you would use, but he's like trying, he's portraying himself as like this person who is happy being dirty. He think you yeah. know, like he doesn't need any help from gloves. He's fine the way it is. Um, and the whole time in the beginning, you're there. I was definitely like, what, who, why are they so different? <laughs> <laughs> like it was shocking to me that they were brothers. And then there's one scene where they share a bed yes that's right and I was like these two people seem like they hate each other like why yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so and then Peter is also introduced very early the son and he is more obviously sort of effeminate in the way that he presents and he does things like create paper flowers um that sort of signify that he is approaching the task of being a man differently than both George yeah. and Phil. And I will say George is also portrayed as like very soft and caring. Like he is upset when Phil makes Rose cry in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so the, uh, you know, so you have sort of these three characters who are each approaching masculinity in very different ways. And I thought it was very interesting that you, the whole time Phil is the villain, right? Like yeah. Phil from the first time he comes onto the scene, you're like, this guy is a jerk, right? Like he's annoyed with his brother. He's forcing everyone to drink shots, even though his brother doesn't want to take a shot. Then he's making right. fun of Peter and like making Peter go outside in hula hoop <laughs> <laughs> to deal with his stress, which I thought was a yeah. very interesting take. He makes Rose cry. Like George tells him he makes Rose cry. Yeah. And then there's George, you know, there's, he's just, I, and I remember being so nervous in the, um, the scene where they go eat at the restaurant where Rose owns like this restaurant, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause they're like setting the table and you're like, Oh God, Phil is gonna be such a jerk to Peter. And he is, he like does yeah. like, I'm relieved. I was relieved at the end that he didn't do anything worse while he was in there. I mean, that's one of the things about this movie that, that I think they do really good is that uh, since it's so long, one of the things they're able to, they're able to do is like tease out tension for a very, mm-hmm. very, 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 very long time. And that is something I really appreciated about the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think like, and- kind of like what you're talking, uh-huh. 
No, you go. No, I was just, just going to say, like, you know, I, this is kind of going into, like, my off-scripted uh, favorite parts, aspects of this. But, you know, it to the young, what's the young guys? Peter. Megan? Peter. To the, the point you were making about Peter and the flowers, like, it's, I, you understand in the context of the movie that he's supposed to be read as less than in terms of a man. But mm. the irony of it being that, he is here. He is surrounded by men who take tremendous amount of pride doing things with their hands. Like everything is about right. this, and particularly this this inflection point in the country too, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, it's the early to mid twentieth century or early twentieth century, and mm-hmm. here it is. America, in particular, is on the like cusp of like a new kind of age, and this is mm-hmm. like the end of like kind of the frontier era. And a lot of it is about like the man made invention and like rampant potential. Right. For Americans during this time. And here, this kid is like being seen as almost a betrayal to manhood um, mm-hmm. because of what he chooses to apply both his like gendered identity and just also his innate talents to. Somehow it feels like it's in the context of the movie and the context of the culture um, and in the context of gender is treated as kind of like this like failing on his part, which is interesting yeah. too because like off camera and in the real world, I don't know if you saw this, but Sam Elliott, who is a mm. longtime actor, um, he has had a lot book. to say. Oh God, yeah. So if people don't know, like he he's derided this film and uh, the director for presenting inside of the genre of Western, the notion of homosexuality, feeling like that's, you know, he's a typical aggrieved, majority man who thinks like like culture has gone too far <laughs> but you know like you know he's a straight white yeah. man and and I don't think I don't think well he was also sort of that. like why is Jane Campion why does she yeah. think she can make a western like yeah. she's a she's from New Zealand and yep. a woman why is she making a western about 1925 Montana ranch life yeah he gets both birther and bigoted points for <laughs> Well, and he, he did connect it, which I mean, I think I connected this movie to Brokeback Mountain while I was watching it, um, partially because of the setting, right? And like mm-hmm. this, the plot line, um, mm-hmm. I will say Brokeback Mountain is one of my favorite movies. It is a very yeah, beautiful, great movie. beautiful yeah. film. Angley. And um, yeah, and, and was adapted from a short story, which I think is That's the appropriate right. length of writing to be adapted to a movie in a way sure. that is satisfying. Um, <laughs> but I, th- and the more I thought about his complaint about like, why does she, you know, what qualifies her to kind of make a film about this particularly, <clears throat> which I think is like a very common discussion, right? Like who is allowed to tell whose story? Mm-hmm. But I, I do think the more I thought about it, the more I thought about how women in general, like have very deep understandings of like what masculinity has meant for the world and for women, right? Like Mm. women have carried the brunt of toxic masculinity right like it's we feel the consequences of men feeling like they have to act in certain ways in many cases so I felt like in many ways it when you are a person who is interacting with something like masculinity it gives you 
a lens that allows you to see the landscape in a different way than if you were a man, right? Because you've yeah. been socialized into it and there's just certain things that you can't see. But yeah. um yeah, I think I think the other thing I liked about this movie is that it felt like I was in, I think you sort of alluded to this. It felt like you're in Montana in 1925. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was filmed in New Zealand in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this idea, I I have been to Montana one time. Mm-hmm. And I also dated someone who was from Montana, who would oh. say, who would always say like, we lived in Ukraine when we were dating each other, but that's okay. another story. But he <laughs> would say like, I, I can't imagine living somewhere without mountains. And I remember being like, hmm. what's the big deal with the mountains? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, well, it's really important that, you know, people like, I like to be around people. Like, it doesn't really matter the place, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to Montana to Glacier National Park with my mom. And I was like, okay, I suppose (laughs) if I, if I grew up and this was my view every day, right. I could see how um, living somewhere without this feels not as awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I mean, Montana is like a very open place, right? There's just like a lot of space. There's not that many people. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like the pace of the movie, the music of the movie, the music of the movie was often just like one or two instruments. So it was hmm. also wow. kind of like lonely and quiet. Yeah. Um, and I, so I felt like the sort of essence of the place was captured in a lot of the pacing, the, the scenery, the scenery, the music, uh, so yeah, it just felt very well done to me. And also, we discussed this yesterday. It had chapters, which Oh, right. I yeah. love a chapter. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. <laughs> it is like a nice like kind of like guidepost to go through a story. Yeah. Um it's like okay. I've also been through <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're just reminding me that I've I've technically been I've been through Montana. So like years ago, like I you drove a, through it? uh well, I took a, a cross-country um, train from on oh. Amtrak from Seattle to Chicago. And one of the nice core Amtrak routes. plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choo-choo. Hopefully they'll sponsor us now. Yeah. <laughs> Amtrak, if you're looking to advertise, we can do a whole series on train movies. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you need, please just tell us whatever you That's, want. <laughs> That's the only thing I like it. about Joe Biden is his love of trains. <laughs> Yeah, like I it went from Seattle to Chicago and one of the wow. key stretches is through uh Glacier and it was nice. gorgeous. Like you get to sit in this right. like cool observational car um Ooh. on Amtrak that has like a it's like wrap around windows from like floor to wow. ceiling that that uh go over your head and stuff too so you can get like as close to a 360 view as possible and it was I was awestruck. It was amazing like just running right. water and like animals and like right yeah it was beautiful mountains to see yeah it is it is um it is yeah montana what a place um i I will also say though you know this is like this is like my own experience as a trope with the western genre and in particular and i don't know how many other people are going to relate to this but you know i find it inherently menacing period like Mm of like yeah. white men on right. horses. Like, I just find that like 
and no matter what the context is, I'm waiting for them in the next scene to be appearing in clan hoods. Like, right. No okay, matter what. I would say, yeah. I mean, I think uh, relatedly, I'm not nervous that they're going to be in clan heads, but uh, clan heads, clan hoods. <laughs> but I, because it's so many when, men and so few women, and there are no like lawmakers or protectors, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Women are very much just at the mercy of these people and who knows like, you know, what kind of terrible yeah. things were happening. And I did feel that way when they were in the restaurant a lot. And Phil is a very menacing character. And I very. feel like he, but I feel like what makes Phil even more interesting is he is not a cat, like he is a cowboy, but it is mm-hmm. identity he has adopted, right? Like you find out as the movie goes on that his family is very wealthy. Yeah. He graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Yale where he yeah. studied like Greek and Latin classic mm-hmm. literature. Mm-hmm. And you also find out that he's probably gay or at least has like homosexual, homoerotic feelings for this mentor guy who is consistently yeah. kind of described Bronco Henry is his name. Mm-hmm. And he is always talking about, about Bronco, Bronco Henry and how great he was. Like from the very beginning, I'm like, yeah. who's this guy? And then you later find out like it's that he has these feelings. <laughs> and so it's a lot of this idea of like adopted identities yeah. and uh, almost, you know, sort of like overcorrection. And, you know, that sort of, I mean, in the scene where you see Phil kind of torture Peter because he's effeminate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm automatically thinking is Phil gay because (laughs) is he a repressed homosexual? Because that's, you know, there is a very storied tradition of repressed people doing harm to people who they see, you know, being able to live more freely. Um, Yeah. So that Phil was a really interesting character to me. Um, And so was Peter. And I will say, I think that I think one of the clever things about the movie that made it feel like very um, related to kind of current day conversations is, you know, there's an idea of toxic masculinity. So the big, the big reveal at the end is that, so in the end, Phil dies and the big review and the big reveal is that they think he died of anthrax and you, and you put together that he died from anthrax because Peter had like cut some um, hide from a cow who had died from anthrax, which apparently is a natural thing and not just a thing that you find in envelopes, like a white (laughs) that you find in envelopes and don't worry about getting the mail. (laughs) So you find, so Peter and like, as Peter and Phil have that, like they have a stab, they have this relationship. The mother is clearly very worried. Rose is worried that Phil is like grooming Peter or doing something weird with Peter. Like, mm-hmm. and the whole time you're like, Rose is right. She's right to be nervous. Like Phil <laughs> is definitely grooming Peter. And, but then in the end, you find out that Peter knew what he was doing the whole time and was establishing a trusting relationship so that he could get rid of Phil, likely because Phil was torturing Rose and yeah. like driving her to alcoholism. Yeah. And so Peter, the person who is often like portrayed as less masculine, mm-hmm ends up being the person who, you know, is killing another human and also like is a kind of an, 
it's a twist on talk, like literal toxic masculinity, yeah. right? Yeah. Like he's using anthrax to kill another, a toxin to kill someone else. It's, so it's, yeah. Go ahead. It's also why like, I kind of really overall struggle with this movie. And this is where like conversations I've had with people outside of it, like help mm. kind of underscore it, which is that, you know, I'm as great and as masterful the storytelling is here. What I don't like is yet another entry into like homosexuality or queer uh, stories that are centered around violence, oppression, or mm-hmm. torture as a means of like epiphany or engagement. Like this, this, I, this macro yeah. atmosphere around, like, I like to believe that also during this era, despite like there's, there's many stories and this was Campion's own point, ironically, that I'm about to kind of sort of use against her is that, you know, the reality is that like, I'm sure it's very likely that inside of that time, just like any other time, right. men, men and women found each other gender to gender on the basis of love without it having to be so tortured all the time. And I think mm-hmm. I don't like the idea that this was so much, so heavily, this played into a lot of homophobia that I think that the movie didn't actually have to do, but that mm-hmm. taps into a very familiar current around how we still tend to talk about people subvertly trying to find their like like community when it comes to queer mm. people and I think that's just a very labored way the other thing I was going to say too is that you know I think what is also for me what is as a man what is also clever about a movie like this when, when you talk about uh his fascination with Bronco Henry is that I think I often think about this in real life culture where you know on social media and conversations with men like how much how common it is for men to have male idols um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and how the fervency of those male idols or their their relationship with looking up to and aspiring and deeply being fascinated by a particular like man that they high hold in high repute does get really blurry at times. Like there's this deep thing around, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, James Harden, who's a baseball basketball mm-hmm. player who just joined the Sixers and uh it's yeah well, the, beard. People the, beard. the beard yeah the beard uh he's a pretty big basketball player and he just got traded to the Sixers in the last like month or so mm-hmm. and this friend of mine who's a big Sixers fan uh watched his first couple of games and like dm'd me and he's like you know I think I've had my first man crush and first of all like I want to get want us to get to a place where we have to where we can remove the just gender caveat around this stuff yeah you just have a crush mm-hmm. on this guy but also it speaks again to this idea that we like men are uncomfortable or have this very kind of con- like nuanced relationship around male fascination with other men mm-hmm. and what happens when you have like what does it mean to like love heroes in a certain or to establish somebody as uh, a hero yeah, to your life yeah. and to your identity and what does it mean to be in community with other men to, who, who very much idolize a particular male figure? And I think you right. see that everything from like politics to mm-hmm. sports to like, I think comics. about that in rap music, like there's comics, all these things. Um, uh, and so th- that's, I thought that was the other interesting, and I wish there was a movie that would more definitely explore all the things spoken and unspoken around that relationship, because I thought mm. that that relationship between like the kind of quote common man and the aspirational man that, that men okay. often find themselves fascinated with um, mm-hmm. 
because it is it can it does like tap into a lot of really interesting corners i think okay well trey has a movie idea if anyone's interested in <laughs> yeah sam elliott you want to partner with me on uh <laughs> trey, i'd love to explore <laughs> yeah. the nuanced <laughs> look into male hero worship um yeah. okay trey what was your favorite part um, you know, my favorite part really was just like, there were probably two things about this. One is the, what I've already referenced, which is the Sam Elliott campion kind of back and forth about this movie. I just thought that that was her pushing and owning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the favorite part is it's just like the off context, the, the real world context around the discussion around this movie. Okay. Like, kind of... Pretty much everyone dismissed Sam Elliott. Like, it was yeah. sort of, uh, the reception was like, I laughed or everyone was like, well, he's entitled to his opinion, but. <laughs> and, and that is, I will always remind us, like everyone is everyone who's chimed in inside of our echo chamber that we're exposed to. But I think there, I think Sam Elliott actually speaks to a lot of oh, yeah. attitudes out there, you know? Um, yeah. So like, like, you know, all, all right. Can't we just tell a story about dudes who like to exactly. hang out together and don't have, don't want to like. Yeah. Do sex. <laughs> <laughs> do sex with each other yeah with each other. uh so that was like one part of it i think the other part again it's like a more off camera kind of connection is that one of the scenes is uh where the two men go out into the like the wilds more or less and they're kind of like hunt i think he's taking him to learn oh, yeah learn how to like hunt and like make like make for him make do for himself out in the wilds mm-hmm. and it was actually very for me parts of that were like very reminiscent of like a video game series I used to play a lot called Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption, which is this like kind of like choose your own adventure type of Western uh, video game that is, mm-hmm. has like a slightly linear story, but like lets you explore how you get there on your own. And part of the game's experience is populated by, it takes place at this, in the same era as this movie. And it's some of the game experience is the mundanity of what it's meant to live, like that frontier cowboy life. So like part mm. of the game really is literally things like going and like skinning hides off of animals to trade back in town for currency. So you can kind of like keep yourself alive and stuff. And so like, mm. it was interesting to like, see like, see how much pop culture has now kind of like combined lots of different experiences inside of a given genre. Um, and it was just reminiscent of that. Like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with, the mundanity that this movie is spending its time on is similar to this, what I've seen in this video game series, mm. which, which I appreciate is that like both of them are taking the approach of a novel, right? Which is like a slow drip, slow release to get mm-hmm. to bigger epiphanies for the characters. So, yeah. Okay. You sort of picked a favorite part, so I'll, yeah. I'll give you credit. <laughs> Thanks, sort of. <laughs> Trey, would you like to know what my favorite you? part is? Yeah, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> not really i'm um, gonna sign off now. yeah i think we're done here yeah. um my favorite part was the scene when um it's after they have gotten married george and rose they're driving i, I think they might be driving to george and phil's house mm-hmm. um and they just get out of the car for a minute to like walk around and Rose asks George, she's like, what is it, George? Like he, cause he looks, I don't know. So he looks like something, he's going through something and he says, oh, I just wanted to say how nice it is not to be alone. Oh. And it just made me think about uh, 
how alone you must feel living in 1925 Montana with like a brother that you can't stand. Who's like the main person in your life. And, uh, you know, it's just like a kind of loneliness. I think that a lot of folks in like modern times don't experience or like couldn't experience because you're, they were just so cut, cut off from the world. And then to finally meet someone, uh, must've felt really amazing. So I Uh think, yeah, just watching that one scene was, uh, and I think it was also, you know, continually developing the idea of like George, George's version of manhood, which Mm. in most cases is kind of like, I think, presented as the most acceptable in some ways yeah although i feel like peter is also peter's character really interested me too because he is uh like focused in a lot of ways that uh i don't know i found him to be kind of fascinating because i yeah you never really fully understand him and then the ending comes and you're like whoa everything i knew about him (laughs) i have to reevaluate which was kind of cool um, I will say I also looked up, I don't know about you. So the explanation for the title, the power of the dog oh, yeah. is that it is from a Bible verse from Psalm 22. And they huh. just, at the end, they just have Peter reading a Bible Bible mm-hmm. and they sign kind of zoom in on this one line. That's like, uh, deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. And because I'm a major nerd, I was like, well, what's the rest of like, what is the context of this quote? And so I looked it up today and the, this Psalm is, uh, it's about like, you know, feeling that you've been forsaken by God and asking for him Mm -hmm. to come save you from, you know, situations where you feel, feel powerless and a yeah. few lines before they say the dogs have encompassed me. So it's this feeling of like being encircled by danger and asking for God to come help you, which I thought it's framed in the beginning and the end with these kind of quotes. Cause the beginning opens with Peter saying like, after my father died, my job was to protect my mother. What kind of man would I be if I didn't protect my mother? Yeah. Which also is kind of a teaser to the ending right where like that mm-hmm. was his motivation for what he did to fill so uh, yeah i just enjoyed kind of it felt a little bit like a puzzle i guess and um i liked it it was the kind of movie where i was like i really wish i could write a paper for english class about this because <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have yeah. some themes and theories <laughs> i would like to work out in an essay <laughs> <laughs> uh i know we're like technically kind of wrapping up but like i'm gonna yeah. it's Go going it, a Trey. little bit longer only because like i think you're making me realize something i kind of like locked away about my own reflection about this movie mm. because it was hitting so personally mm. so like you're i think having to like sustain talk about it with somebody is like bring this up for me now but you know this is and i look at that young guy's character it's mm-hmm. very reminiscent of me and a lot of things that we're talking about this is a very reminiscent for me of like what it was like for me, middle school through high school mm. growing up. Um, you know, I was like this small, quiet, soft-spoken, uh, bookish guy who mm-hmm. 
who's constantly like bullied and assaulted by people because I think for a lot of reasons, I think because I was all the things I just described also because like, I was just, I didn't know how to like, I wasn't inclined to defend up to stand up for myself with aggression in return. And so like, Mm -hmm. I oftentimes kind of wilted in the face of other people's Mm -hmm. verbal or physical attacks, but Mm -hmm. you know, for as sticky as all this will probably sound in the next over the next minute or so, but you know, it was really hard for me to have, particularly as I was trying to understand myself, to have kids around me constantly tell me or call me gay. Um, mm. And how hard that, how hard that was, particularly during like, you know, we grew up like 90s and such, where yeah. that felt like such a scarlet letter of sorts to have mm-hmm. put upon you. Yeah. And and it was, in, in all, honestly, it was heavily part of that, heavily part of like, the wider context that we were talking about sex and danger and mm-hmm. predatory behavior and all this stuff in, but also it was just thing that like, I think for a long time, it really meant that it was clear that being able to call me that meant all bets were off. Like people could say, do whatever they wanted mm-hmm. to me. And, yeah. and what it means to try to like, you know, there was, you know, I went through everything from like being verbally and physically harassed and assaulted on like my bus ride home and so for a long time I started walking home I just like just started trying to and I so like you know I really I think I didn't I think I chose to not remember what it was like for me by watching Peter in particular but uh but I remember also kind of being as a result to watching his character and being pretty fascinated and kind of in awe of him because yeah you know, I think one of the things that is great about that character is that he found the way to kind of still maintain who he was despite despite being surrounded by dogs and I think that was really hard mm-hmm. I'd like mm-hmm. to think that I did do that but I think it was really really hard for me um yeah when I was growing up and so uh yeah and I don't I don't even like I think because of so much stuff period nowadays that I I I don't even, sometimes I don't even know entirely what, what are all these, like, there's so many labels I want to put on myself to help me, mm-hmm. like, give a three-dimensionality to my, to my existence as I see it, but, mm-hmm. but I also very much could relate to the idea of, like, what it means for, not just, like, to your point, like, not just men, but the, the toxic masculinity that comes with our society, like, what it means when so many people, men, and women alike participate in this culture that tells you either you are this thing, or you aren't this thing, or you are this, or you aren't that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. It's powerful for all people to, for anyone who wants to engage in it, it's powerful for people to like oppress somebody else um, and put someone else in a box, particularly that box can, can justify like all sorts of behavior. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Trey. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that this, I think the film is so much about identity, right? And like, in some ways, about what choices that you do have and what choices you don't have, right? Like, especially it's kind of fascinating to think about Phil who has very much chosen his identity, right? Like, he's a rich white guy who's decided to be a dirty cowboy rancher 
Yeah. And like has leaned into it so far that like, he's the most of all, he's the dirtiest, he's the meanest. He's, you know what I mean? He's like, he's almost like a caricature of a cowboy. Yeah. And then you find out that maybe he's doing it to protect himself because he has this thing that he's like hiding. Um, And then there's Peter who the whole time you think is kind of following Phil's lead but then in the end, you realize the whole time he knew exactly what he was doing and yeah. he had, he was in control of the situation the entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, I could see how this would bring up a lot of like, I mean, Phil was a bully, right. And like, and mm-hmm. he was very much a bully in that, like, you know, that old saying of like hurt people, hurt people, like Phil, Phil was a bully because he had his own shit that he didn't deal with and he was like taking it yeah. out on other people. Um, I also think it's interesting that Peter, you don't actually know if he's gay, right? Like, no, you don't. He's effeminate. He like makes paper flowers, but yep. none he, of that means, none of that means anything. That doesn't mean yeah. he likes men, right? So, That's right. Um, and I liked that that was not ever, it was never made clear, right? Like, it wasn't. Yeah. Like, because it's sort of like it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> if he yeah. is or isn't we sh- he shouldn't be treated the way that he was treated right but also i don't know he yeah he um i, I found him to be quite fascinating uh whoo all right all right anything else Trey? no i don't think so i mean the last thing i'll quickly say is that like i think cumberbatch's character felt also made like his approach to and arguably what was also a notion of protection made me think mm-hmm. a lot about like uh, the movie Moonlight in Chiron, where mm. in Chiron's like later years, he, you know, he starts lifting weights. He starts adopting this yeah. different persona that seems to, that seems to be a form of projection, projection. and protection yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that other men in particular can't unduly assault him or, or attack him in a way that like it re- it was a performance of re- of removed vulnerability that actually wasn't for neither m- men in these stories was ever actually true and you can see at the at the core of it well i'd still say like while philip was like a bully and all, like again people are many things inside of their body right. i think he was also clearly somebody looking for i mean he lost he clearly lost something with Bronco Henry. Yeah, and, and I think he, he was had, trying to find yeah. something again. Right. And he had no connection. And his brother had this very real connection. Yeah. And he was sort of left yeah. behind, which I think mm-hmm. was part of the explanation for why he acted the way he did. Totally. Yeah. See, this is wow. why I like this movie because it's like so many different ideas to discuss. Yeah. This is what I like about yeah. I like a good character, I like a good plot. And I like something that you can really talk about with friend <laughs> Trey about what it all means. You're right. You're right, boo. You win this That's one. my jam. That's my yeah. jam. <laughs> maybe, maybe I've changed my mind over the course of talking about maybe I wow. like this movie more than yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, should, I mean, I'm gonna put this on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I made Trey like a movie. <laughs> the paid pods uh, etsy store coming that's soon. right yeah. look out once we that's get to right. 75 instagram followers speaking of followers <laughs> if you are enjoying this podcast please uh like rate us on apple podcasts or any other podcast service that you're using to listen to this it'll help us find more listeners um and mm-hmm. you can uh 
Also follow us on Instagram at at fave parts pod. Would love to have you. We're working That's on right. more Instagram content. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we are putting out a bonus episode coming out what? today. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Where we are going to talk about all of our different, um, Trey and I have watched a lot of movies and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Oscar nominated films and the Oscars are on Sunday. Um, we're going to chat about some of the different categories and just, you know, talk through some of the movies, have some hot takes. It's going to be a great yeah. time. I can't wait. I'm actually Should very excited for the Oscars. I great. know you are. I know you are. <laughs> I love an award show. <laughs> The razzle, the dazzle. (laughs) All right. I don't know. That's what it is. (laughs) You were selected for your desire for achievement. Anyway, go ahead. Well, that is true. I didn't say I need the award. I just like, you know, I like a show. I love a show. That's what it is. I love a show. Um, Okay. Well, we did it, Trey. We talked about the power of the dog. We did it. Talk about our Oscar films. Yes. Trey, have a great weekend. Oh, you too, Bill. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. All right.